Today in the Attorney Career Advice Podcast with Harrison Barnes. But any way you can make a connection with the employer and make them feel like they're special and unique, people want to have acknowledgement and, and feel like they're connected to people. People want to help others and it makes them feel good about themselves if they're doing so. How can you highlight your skills and experience without your cover without simply restating your resume? You don't want to re restate your resume. You, again, the purpose of a cover letter, and again, everyone should remember this, the purpose of a cover letter is to make a connection and then to show all these things. You can do the job, you can be managed, that you can write clearly and directly, and that you, you're likely to stay for the long term. And none of this, by the way, needs to be that. You don't need to go into a lot of detail about this, but you, people need to walk away with that feeling. So how do you make a connection? How do you show you're going to commit and that you can be managed? And those are difficult questions to ask. And an example would be applying to be a corporate attorney somewhere. How do you separate yourself from everyone else? Or you're applying to do something. The only way you can possibly separate yourself from someone that's going to commit is to show you're, you're committed to that practice area. That's exactly what you want to do and that you want to work at this particular type of firm for this particular type of reason. So you talk about how you want to move to this type of firm because they represent smaller clients or larger clients, that, that they have more of a focus uh, on what you're trying to do. And then the connection would be I may not realize it, but you're considered like the best firm and that everyone, so many people dying to work there and all, all these sorts of things. So anyway, you can make a connection. And I'm just giving you hypothetical examples. I'm not saying that's what you should say, but anyway, you can make a connection with the employer and make them feel like they're special and unique, not just regurgitating their about us section or something, some way that is unique is really important. And very few people can do that. And that's why I recommend calling and, and, uh, and doing all this sort of stuff and being, getting to know someone in the firm before you do that. It's, it makes a huge difference. And these are all great questions, by the way. I'm glad there's a lot of them too. So this is good. We'll get to all of them. Yeah. How can you make your cover letter stand out from the hundreds or thousands of cover letters that legal firms receive and what are instructive strategies for doing so? Yeah. Many times short and direct sometimes can work. Connection is important. And, and what else? A short and direct connection, making, doing something unexpected. I remember I, when I was applying, I don't know, for judicial clerkships or something, I remember I had a, an advisor that was a, a very well-known or the, one of the people that wrote my, one of my clerkship cover letters. You typically see these cover letters and they'd go on two or three pages. This person can do this and that, and, and which is helpful. It's good. But I remember he's no longer alive, but his name is Jeffrey O'Connell and he was a well-known torts professor. And I think I was a, anyway, but I worked with him and, and he wrote a very short cover letter for me. And all it said is if I, he said something like, I've been a law professor for three decades or something. And, and several of my students and I've clerked on the U.S. Supreme Court or something similar to that. If I were you, I would definitely hire Harrison or somebody, you know, whatever, something like that. Definitely hire Harrison Barnes. That was it. And, and it worked. I got a bunch of interviews and it didn't have to go into a lot of detail or something. It was just very simple. I was like, wow, that's pretty interesting. So if you can make a point for an employer very quickly and directly, meaning I've uh, wanted to work at your firm since, uh, I mean, something just very short and direct, then it's going to get get attention. So you can say a lot with a cover letter in a very short 
without using a lot of words, because then people will read it. So what can you say? Or what can you say that makes a connection? Or what can you make, how can you make the employer believe that the job is special to you? And you have to think about it like a, like a litigator or you're an attorney and you're representing yourself. So what do you do? And the thing that's interesting is that, it, you know, that if people believe that it's meaningful to you or you're the best fit or you're the, you're this or you're that, then, then they're more likely to hire you than, and if not, they, they have to somehow believe that, that you're, that whatever you're trying to do is something that you want. So how do you, what advice do you have for job seekers who transition from a different career field into a legal profession and may not have traditional legal experience? Again, you, anything you say about your other experience, then people don't always realize this, is really going to detract from the employer's question. So an employer just wants to know, will this person make me money? That's all they want to know. Honestly, there's a lot they want to know, but they want to know, will this person make me money? And I hate to be so direct about that and easily and for a long time. This is all they're asking. When an employer is looking at your resume, it makes they're looking at your practice area. Is your practice area a match? Are you going to stick around? Is your, are your qualifications similar to what, what their clients need? So that means if you, if they're, if it's a firm or, and they work for giant companies, then they're probably going to want you to have really good qualifications, meaning good experience at other firms or big schools or what, whatever they're asking that. Then they're going to ask, does this person look committed? Person look like they will commit uh, and look committed. How do they ask those questions or how do they reach those conclusions? If you start talking about all this other stuff you've done or all these other interests or all these other degrees, then they're not going to think that you can make money. They're going to think that, that you're not going to stick around, that you're going to get interested in other things, and you're not going to, if you come out of different practice settings, different countries, all this stuff, they, that scares them. And they're just trying to make money. These are, again, the way to think about all this is if it's a court, you have to look at, like the earlier resume we looked at was someone from a court. I guess the question was, would they make me money easily? Um, and the answer to that question, is a person going to take the job and are they going to be, is it, are they going to be easy to work with? And are they going to work hard? Are they going to stick around? Are they going to build a lot of hours? Or do they have all these other things that think are important? So they're really looking for people that can make money for them as easily as possible and for the longest period possible. It's interesting when I was in law school, I, I did all the stuff like this and I don't know, I was president of this organization and that, and, and very into all these activities. I think I wrote a book and all this stuff that had nothing to do essentially with working in a law firm. It just separated me. And I remember there were some firms I really wanted to work at. And, and I remember the people that got jobs from them and I didn't get a job with them and were, didn't have as good of grades, didn't, weren't as enthusiastic about, they were just plain, like more plain type people that weren't as interesting. But that's, I, I never understood it when I was young. I was like, why would they hire this person when they're, and the reason is because they knew if they hired these pe people, they would sit down and they would work and it'd be very easy to make money from them. And someone that hired me, I'd be like, I'm going to write a book. Or I got into the first law firm I worked at and I decided I was going to also be a law professor and then I was going to do this. And, and I was a litigator, but I decided to start bringing in corporate clients and doing that kind of work. And that's not what a law firm wants. They want people that are going to sit down and make money for them easily. And I'm not asking myself, but I'm telling you that the more focused and easy you look like to manage and, and like you're going to stick around and you're not going to come up with all these other options, then those are the kind of people that the law firms want to hire. They don't want to hire people 
that are going to have a bunch of different interests and all this other stuff. And it's just, you have to be very careful. So if you're transitioning from a different career, there needs to be, there needs to be some sort of connection between the current career that you're doing and whatever the next career is that you want to do. So what does that mean? It means that if your last career was as an engineer and you want to go into the legal profession, hopefully you'll be doing something with patents or intellectual property. If your last career was in the healthcare industry and you're transitioning into law firms, hopefully your next career will have something to do with healthcare or medical malpractice or something. If your last career was in a, I don't know, I don't know, helping where your last career field was, you want to try to get some sort of connection to, to the practice area or whatever you're applying to. Because if you don't have that, then, then people are going to believe that you're not going to stick around. So you need to make sure that career somehow connects. And a, a typical example would be someone that has formerly been a tax attorney or a tax accountant or something, and then they become a, they go to law school and they become a, 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 a tax attorney or someone that has been in, but you, the law firms want to believe that you're going to stick around. And the other thing too, that's not good. And I'll just, one of the big things that people are always asking when they're looking at your previous jobs is they're asking, can this person be managed? And, and when they're asking that, what they're really asking is they're asking, will this person, are they going to, are they going to follow instructions? Are they going to, are they going to respect me? Are they going to make me feel good about myself? Like I have, again, I'm not saying that this is important, but are, do I, are they going to make me feel like I have power and like I can tell them what to do? Or are they going to believe because they've been in other leadership roles in the past that they're better than me and all that sort of thing? So law firms, any employer wants to believe that you can be managed. One of the earlier resumes we looked at today, which was a very good resume, the person was talking about how they manage 50 people and did this and were in charge of this country. Now that would have been very, that's a very good, these are very good statements if the person, if the job they're applying for is to do that. But if it's for working for someone else, then law firms aren't, no one's going to like that. It's going to scare them. So you just have to be very careful about all this stuff. These are interesting questions. Let's see here. So the next one is, have you ever received a cover letter that was too long or too short and your recommendations for the ideal length? So the recommendations for the ideal length. So these are some things here that, that typically, that are typically in most cover letters right here. So I'll just put these down right here. Typical cover letter format something along those lines, why you're applying, why you're interested, or, or these one and two are related, why you're committed, why you're compatible, and then you know how to get in touch with you, I don't really think it's necessary. But you basically need to be able to make the point that you're applying because you love these people and it's exactly where you want to be. If I was applying to a firm in, I don't know what a city would be, Muskegon, Michigan, and I'm from Muskegon, I would say, I'm currently working in Cleveland, Ohio. I've grew up in Muskegon. I've always wanted to return there. I love your firm because of this and this reason. And I have known people that were, you make some sort of connection and then, and then that's it. So the connection is more important. Just think about your interactions with people on a day-to-day -day basis. You have, uh, everyone has impersonal interactions, meaning it's business or it's professional. And then you have your personal interactions. And so most people, want to have more personal interactions than impersonal interactions. So anything that makes us feel special, makes us feel good about ourselves, and makes us feel like there's some kind of connection is important. And, and there's just, it's very hard to do. And very few people do it. That's the problem. Very few people do it. And, and that's really, people want to have acknowledgement and, and feel like they're connected to people. And again, just remember what I said earlier is that 
uh, most of the people that I've ever hired as recruiters have been people that have been had connections or something to someone else and so that I knew so because people are tribal and they want they, they want some sort of connection so what is the ideal length whatever it takes to make a connection and show that you're likely to stick around and stuff that's not necessarily on your resume and and that's it and no one cares about if you people obviously say stuff like that's a unique fit for my skills and experience and all this other stuff and that's not necessarily do you know the secrets to getting your dream legal job? We do. And one of the best things you can do is apply to jobs that fly under the radar. Applying to openings with very little competition means you stand a much higher chance of getting hired. But how do you find openings like that? For starters, you're not going to find them on major job boards because these jobs are usually only advertised on companies' websites and in small regional publications. That is why we created Law Crossing the most comprehensive database of legal jobs in the world. We have a team of people constantly working to find every single legal job out there. Unlike other job boards, which only list jobs that companies pay to post, we include every legal job we can find in order to maximize your chances of finding a job. So, what are you waiting for? Head over to www.lawcrossing.com to find your dream legal job today. Because someone said that I might not be able to stay for position. We said, yes, so there'll be a recording of this later. Okay, can this, can I use my cover letter to explain any, this is actually a good question. And thank you for everyone who's asking these questions. It's very smart, by the way, to be on webinars like this and ask these questions. Can I use my cover letter to explain any gaps in my resume to address any concerns that the employer may have? Yeah, so employers, so I want to just bring up a few things. So employers are concerned about gaps. They're concerned about what else? Too many jobs. They're concerned about what else? Just a lot of areas, not consistent. I don't know. There's just, I could go on and on about this stuff, but it's interesting. So anytime you write a cover letter and you, you need to remember that there's a lot of people that are applying for the same job that you have. So to me, it's very interesting. So there's markets like in major markets, like in, let's say like New York or the Bay Area or other just major, major U.S. markets, Chicago, all these types of places, Chicago, Houston. So what happens in those markets is, and the reason law firms have offices, I mean, they have offices because they have clients, but what happens in these major markets is if you're laid off, and again, I'm not trying to criticize anybody that might have been laid off, but if you're laid off in New York and try to get a job, like there's just no the large law firms. And again, I'm not, I don't want to make people feel badly because they'll tell you the solution to it. But the reason is no. And th that's what you're going to hear from law firms is because they have, they can hire 20 people or hundred people that weren't laid off that are currently working. So your best option is you have to look like the person you, you're not going to get a job in the major law firms most of the time, because it's extremely difficult because again, you just remember you're competing with people with perfect resumes, with without gaps. And the problem with, with these major markets, like when you go into those markets, is that that those firms have their choice. And so because they have so many applicants for each position, they're not interested. They would rather hire someone without a gap than with a gap. Now, when you get outside of those markets, like if you wanted to work in the suburbs of New York, or you wanted to work in the suburbs of Chicago, or you wanted to work in South Illinois, Quincy, Illinois, or something like that this stuff doesn't matter because your qualifications are good. So a lot of times what it means is it means switching markets. 
It means switching the type of employer, the size of employer, meaning a smaller employer. It means a lot of stuff like that. But that's the problem with the major markets is they're a great place to get started. But if you have gaps or too many jobs and stuff, then it's just the law of supply and demand. There's too many people interested in the same jobs. And because there's so many people interested in the same jobs, that the law firms are just doing what they can to to hire people. Now, I'll tell you something that's interesting. I was thinking while just right now when um, about people that have gotten hired with gaps, too many jobs and things like that in the past. In almost all cases where there's where people have been hired that way, a lot of times those same people had were able to make a connection or had some sort of connection with a law firm. I remember there was one woman, uh, and this is a long time ago, but she wanted her in-law was a famous attorney in a certain practice area in Los Angeles, and she was working in the same practice area. And she had this kind of thing where she moved around to a bunch of firms and then taken all this time off. And she was applying for jobs and people were jumping up and down to hire her. And even when she wanted to work part-time and all this. And and the reason that it worked out for her was because because she had this connection. And this person that was her in-law was very well known and and that and all the law firms knew who this person was and that was a connection so i'm not saying that's the best connection or but some sort of connection so that if you have gaps in your resume or those concerns the only way you get around that a lot of times is if you have some sort of connection and it's interesting too like a lot of times you can look at some of these really good firms like you could look at tell or something and you take a look at someone's resume and you'd be like how's this person an associate at Wachtell when they you know, I went to New York law school and they just were cum laude or whatever. Like that doesn't make any sense. And then you look at their resume and you see that, wow, they were a paralegal at Wachtell for five years before they went to law school, or there's just some sort of connection. And so these connections are very important. And, and that's, if you have to explain gaps in your resume, it's not going to do much in the largest markets. It's not going to help you very much or too many jobs, but it's okay for people to go have kids or to, 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 I don't know, to have family matters or something. People will take them back, but just remember that you're competing with people without gaps and people without too much moves and too many moves and that sort of stuff. And that's just something I would be very careful about with large firms within large markets. And I realize all this stuff is very difficult because there's so much, there's so much at stake. It's trying to get a job and you're trying to, and we have recruiters in our company that get very emotionally involved with trying to get people jobs. And, and so this is very serious. I know it's your life and at contact on HR age via LinkedIn, they said, to whom I may concern. Do I include that in my cover letter? If so how, yeah, you would say, who's the HR person you contact on LinkedIn. Um, and then, and you could do it that way. Sometimes you just have to write to whom it may concern. If you do write that, just remember that if there's no connection, it just, it makes it really difficult. Just very difficult. Like most jobs that when we have jobs in our company, like we'll get so many applications, it's like loony. And so it's very difficult to sort through them and to sift through them and to decide who to interview. And it's just so much work and it's so much easier if there's just some sort of connection or something, or you've spoken to someone, you're someone or someone's vouching for you. So like, just let, let me just give you like a way it works in most employers. So most employers will have someone that's in charge of receiving the resumes and reviewing them. And that person will sit there and, and it could be the recruiting coordinator, it could be a recruiting team or whoever, and they will literally just get all these resumes coming in and they'll be in, they'll come in email, they'll come in 
off, off the applicant tracking. So there's all these resumes coming in. And then uh, and that person will look, oh, this person went to this law school, they did really look at different things and they'll have, they'll know what the firm wants. But the best way to, to get around that is if you're able to make a connection with that person, because that person may have 150 or 200 resumes for a job and they don't know what to do. They're, again, there's nothing, I'm not putting down a recruiting department or whoever's reviewing them, but, but people start looking the same after a while. There's this famous story about Stanford when, and this is actually, it was funny, it's actually a true story that there was someone on the admissions committee or something that was given this pile of, I don't know, a hundred resumes. There were pretty much a hundred applicants that were all the same. They were all like captains of this and valedictorian or what they were all pretty much the same. And they had to decide, you know, who to hire. And, and I heard someone, this is years ago, but I was at a conference and, and there was someone giving a presentation about something completely unrelated. And it was someone from Google. And, and they were talking about the same story. So I'm assuming there's some truth to it, but they literally had all these resumes and they just decided, let me just throw them on a staircase and the ones that land, uh, I'll, and then I'll go to the bottom and I'll, or whatever, or the top, and I'll pick up the ones in order to get to my 20 people that I'm going to let in out of the hundred or whatever, because they're all the same. And so that's the same thing with HR. So the only way you can really get around people many times or get around HR is if you're able to to make, if you're able to make some sort of connection and they remember you, then when that person brings the resume into whoever's in charge of hiring or interviewing and you, and that person can give a good word for you or that you seem really interested or you were very nice, then that goes a long way. And that, so that's what I'm saying is you, if you can make that kind of connection, it's just huge. It's, it's what it's all about. And, and that's how you get to the, you're able to get the best results is if you're able to Use that sort of connection. Okay, so here's another one. What if you stop working through, due to illness or disability? Yeah, so that's okay. People will have illnesses and disabilities and stop working because of that. You need to remember that you're competing with a lot of people for the same job. Whatever your illness or disability is, you need to turn it into a strength. What does that mean? It means that it means that you'll, I don't know, you'll work harder, that you're more committed, that you're more likely to stick around, that you're, that you've learned and you're more effective now than ever, that whatever you can think of as positive and anything that happens to you, by the way, whether it's negative or positive, you can always find and every negative. People may have substance abuse. I'm not saying this is an illness disability, but substance abuse problems, but then they clean themselves up and they, I don't know, they go to rehab or they do, they get involved in organizations and now they're better people or, and they couldn't work during that time or they, and I've had instances where that's happened with candidates and the law firms actually are very nice about it or where they had something serious happen or where they got sick for a long period of time and they're back and better. If someone believes that, that they're doing the right thing hiring you and that they're hiring the best person for the job and sometimes that whatever happened to you is a negative then it can be positive, then, then that's good. Maybe that means that you can be managed more, or maybe it means you're, you're going to commit to the job, or maybe it means that you're more likely to, you're, I don't know, you will be more, you're more likely to stick around. I don't know, but you know, whatever, however you can frame that to make yourself look better is good. And, the, and then the other thing that's nice about this is that people are generally are good. So people are generally good, not all of them, not all, but most people, people want to help others and it makes them feel good about themselves if they're doing so.
makes them feel good because they realize they could one day be in the same situation where something bad happens to them or who knows. And that's what, so you have to, you don't want people to feel sorry for you, but you want them to feel like that you're hungrier than you otherwise would be because of whatever's happened and you'll be a better employer. You'll be this or that. And so that's how you frame this stuff. You don't frame it like I'm whatever. You have to frame it as an advantage and every thing or has a seed of stuff that's good in it. And so law firms, employers want to see that. You covered this, but to review, if I'm applying to a company or a firm, I don't know who to address. I used to check online for the names of general counsel. That makes sense. Yeah. So that's okay. Typically, if there's no one to apply to, uh, then you typically want to address your applications to the highest ranking person possible. And the idea is because that person, an applicant to that person, application to that person is likely is likely to get forwarded to the right person. So the idea was that I told you about, so I told you earlier about this resume mailing company a long time ago, and they would always address things to the CEO with the idea that even if you were writing to a huge company like Intel, if it's addressed to the CEO and it's a job application, it comes from the CEO's office. People assume that it must be it must be important if it's coming from the CFO or CEO and it's likely to get more attention, that sort of thing. So that's how I would recommend that. What would you recommend about, this is a question about in-house, where it's not necessarily about making money for the company. In-house resumes can be a little bit different. And when someone's in-house, a lot of times there's different, it is actually, that's the problem. And the disconnect a lot of attorneys have when applying for in-house positions is they don't necessarily understand that in-house is about making money for the company. When a company is hiring someone in-house, someone to work in-house, they're trying to save money over law firms. So they're trying to save money. And that's what a lot of people don't realize like companies when they hire, and again, not every company is this way, but most companies, when they hire someone to work inside the company, what they're really trying to do is they're trying to hire someone that can save them money compared to what a law firm will charge. What most in-house attorneys do, most in-house attorneys become, try to not do a lot of work and give it to outside counsel. I had a, a funny thing where I was talking to an attorney that had in-house counsel, this is about a week ago, and he was running, I don't know, this big company and they needed a certain type of attorney. And so they decided to hire their attorney from their law firm that they were doing. And so the attorney came over and they had to pay that attorney $300,000 a year and their bills actually went up because the attorney that they hired started referring more and more work to the law firm. So they were under the impression when they hired the attorney, that the attorney would actually save the money by doing all this work. But then the in-house attorney found all these ways not to do the work and to give it. And this is, by the way, the experience of, that I've had in decades of hiring in-house attorneys is in-house attorneys will often not, will try to give a lot of work to outside counsel or find work to be done and actually increase expenses. So it is about making money is what I would say. And so to, to the extent you can in your cover letter, I would say I can figure out ways to save you money by not, by, by doing the work myself and I'm a workhorse and all this kind of stuff. And people like that and, and it will help them. And I don't make a lot of in-house placements because I concentrate on law firms. There's just too much going on to worry about doing in-house. But what I've noticed with a lot of, when companies call me looking for in-house counsel, 
they're looking basically to save money on what they're spending in outside counsel. Because obviously, you're, if you're billing out at $1,000 in a law firm and $1,000 per hour, uh, and you're working 2,000 hours a year, you're not going to expect a $2 million salary from, which is what a law firm would have to pay, which which is someone would have to pay. You're They're going to expect to pay you much less. And so you have to tell when you're applying for any job, you want to make them believe you're going to save them money. Second, okay, so when sending a cover letter firm without an opening and trying to reach multiple recruiters, should you send separate emails? So there's a couple schools of thought there. If there's if there's a re- recruiting person inside the company, then you know you don't want to leave them out. You don't want to leave them out because their job their job is to track everything, track everything. So if you leave them out, they're going to be upset and but their jobs to track everything. And then they may be mad at you and all sorts of things and try to undermine your candidacy. Who knows? It's just, you have to be very careful. There, there's a couple of different schools of thought to how do you reach multiple recruiters and partners and how do you, should you send separate emails? And what I would recommend is that you try to make some sort of connection with whoever you feel like could use your skills the most. And if you see someone that is very good at something inside of a firm that does exactly what you do and you believe that they have lots of clients and so forth, making contact with them in some sort of method would be very useful. Now, there's different ways to do that. One way would be, and this is the way most people do it, is just contact the person and say, I want a job. Is not always useful, want a job. You can do that, but most of the time, that's going to put people's defense mechanism up. The best way to do it, this is, I'm just telling you a long-term long-term thing would be to contact them and make some sort of connection and not ask for anything. So you would, you could, I'm just telling you one way to do it. You could send them a, tell them you like their article, you've got them like their article or their whatever transaction, whatever attraction or heard about, loved something. And, and if you do that and it gets the person's attention, then, and they say, thank you then you let a little bit of time go by and then maybe you you tell them, oh, I'm moving or, I mean, that that's really the best way of doing this sort of thing to really professionally do it. Because if you just send people something, I want a job, their defense mechanism goes up. So how do you get around the defense mechanism? And so often it's making some sort of connection with a person, which is how you would do it here. And then after that connection, then going from there. So someone said, where do we find your cover letter rules document that you were working on? I'll send that out after the, this, after the webinar. I'll make sure that everyone gets it and I'll, I, just like I did last week with the re- resume rules. Yeah, what if you need to take a, a couple of years off to uh, take care of a grave little parent? Is that looked down upon? No, of course not. It's not looked down upon. It's not looked down upon. It's just one of the, one of the problems when People, and this is, I'm not saying this is correct or the right thing to do or the right way to think about it, but the practice of law can be very stressful for people and a lot of people don't like it. And and, and what happens in most cases, and it's not all, but in a lot, is when people take time off from the practice of law, if it's six months or a year and then they come back, most people don't stick with it because it's, why would I deal with all the stress and and when I was much happier when I, this is just how a lot of people think. And, and so from a law firm's perspective, it's risky for them many times when they bring people back because those people often don't stick around. If you were the only caregiver for a parent and it's not necessarily looked down upon, but the law firms at the same time need to be very careful 
about, they're nervous about anybody that may have taken time off. And so you also need to understand that, that they have a choice of who they're going to hire. This needs to be this, you need to frame things in a way that's going to make you look more committed in the future. And I'm taking this time off. I am very eager to come back. And then the other question, of course, is going to be, why aren't you going back to uh, your previous firm? And so that should be your priority uh, is getting back to your previous employer. And then, but if you can't, then you need to be able to explain why won't they have you back? And that's another question. So maybe you say that I'm looking for other options. I don't know, but, but you need to, it's not necessarily look down upon, but you just need to remember employers have choices. And so what would make them want to choose you? Okay, what should I do if I don't hear back from an employer after sending a cover letter? Should I follow up with them? Yes, you can. I used to be very annoyed when, and gotten in trouble for it, when people, when I didn't hear back from, when we couldn't get answers from employers about whether or not they were, why you're not hearing back and everything. And the point is pretty much, just so you understand, is that if the employer really wants you, then then they will get back to you. So does it help when you follow up? Uh, it may. You can send an email or something that says, I just want to reiterate my interest. And the problem with that is when you start doing that, you make yourself look desperate and then you make it look like there's, there's not, there's, you can't do any better. And that's what hurts you. Typically you want to send an application and then hope that the person's interested in you. I follow up with law firms that interview our people or that we send applications to, I'm sorry. And and consistently follow up and that's and it helps because sometimes it reminds people that yes we could definitely use you sometimes you can even call but again a lot of times it's taken as an annoyance and you so you have to be careful if there's some way to follow up many times it may mean resubmitting your resume if it's just for email and a lot of times they may get it see the second time and not the first to be honest with you or or sending a written application sometimes you can one of the questions earlier uh, was saying separate, send separate emails. I recommend most, what's interesting too about as people get more dependent on sending emails and sending through applicant tracking systems, very few people actually mail things anymore or fax things. And it's possible, I recommend if you really want a job to, to send a written application and actually print it up and put it in an envelope or a big envelope and send it. And because that gets people's attention. Whenever I get mail, it sits on my desk as opposed to in my computer. So obviously you're much better off sending things. So if you send a written letter or uh, and you and put it on a nice stationery and you send it, that's going to be a lot more effective many times than, than just emailing something. Do you want to grow your legal career? A lateral move might be the right choice to get you on track for your career goals. Working with a legal placement firm like BCG Attorney Search can open doors for you and help you live the life you dream of. If you're looking for a new legal job, send us your resume so we can help. Visit www.bcgsearch.com and click on Submit Resume to be paired with one of our legal placement professionals who will work tirelessly on your behalf to get you your dream legal job. Submit your resume to www.bcgsearch.com to get started today. Yeah. So I will send, you can, someone said, uh, can we receive the edits to the resumes? Yes, we can send those out. I'll send those. This is another question. Should I mention my salary expectations in my cover letter? So this is actually a very good question. So a lot of people get in trouble with salary stuff. And 
and there's firms pay different amounts. And anytime someone asks you your salary, they're not asking you that because they want to pay you more money. They're asking you that because they want to see how cheaply they can get you. And, and again, I'm not saying that it's just what it is. They don't want to interview someone that wants to make $300,000 a year and only be able to offer them 150. It just, it doesn't help. What I would say is anytime you are going out for any type of interview or trying to get any type of job, you need to be prepared to negotiate your salary and to go out and, and to do that at some point. Now, law firms are businesses. And so they're going to, they're going to evaluate what do they need or what are they willing to pay? So an example would be a lot of times personal injury firms, like for the work that you're doing for a lot of personal injury firms, they don't need to pay a lot. They could pay 50,000 or 60,000 and they don't care. That's all they need is someone to do that. Whereas a big firm to get or certain types of firms like doing sophisticated commercial litigation may want to hire someone that makes more that doesn't would charge more i don't know but in the, they may want someone with certain qualifications and they know they can't get them in the market for less than two hundred thousand or three hundred thousand so and so law firms know what they can get and what they can pay but if you start mentioning your salary expectations they're just going to look at that as a way to either pay you less or to or not pay you enough and so how do you respond to that like when they start asking you that or calling you just say, I'm looking for the best job I can get. I would hope that my compensation would be commensurate with what uh, you're paying others and doing the same type of job and that sort of thing. And sometimes they'll say, what are you making now? And you can say, this is what I'm making, but I realize that that I can do better in the market or I realize that I would like to, I, or that I realize that I'm overpaid. And you can, you have to deal with this. And the salary expectations are often much better left to the end of the discussions or to when you receive an offer. I have seen more interviews go south, more offers go south when that's mismatched. And a lot of times people not getting jobs or staying unemployed for longer than they should because of their salary expectations. So there's a belief that a lot of people have, and I'm not trying to poo it, but a lot of times people believe that uh, I made this much money last year. So an example would be someone working for Facebook or something or meta platforms now. I saw a resume the other day. Someone was making an incredible salary, I don't know, $500,000 doing data-related privacy or something. And what would that person make in the market? Not anywhere near that based on the way the market is. So the point is like a lot of times people believe I got this much before, so I should get this much now. And that's just not how it works. The economy changes and you can make more or the economy changes and you can make less. And that's just, it depends. And different employers often are letting people go like Facebook because they realize that they're paying people too much to, for what they're doing. So you have to be very careful about your salary expectation. That gets more people in trouble than anything. And you need to be very careful about how you discuss that. The last thing in the world you want to do is talk about your salary expectation in the cover letter. Your objective always is, is to get the job, get in the door, and then make them love you, get invested, and then talk about the stuff later. So you don't lead with that. If you lead with that and the person doesn't like you yet, then that's not going to help you. So you need to be very, you need to get, get the person invested and sorry, get the employer and excited and then talk about that. But not before. The last, you just, you don't do that out of the gate. That's dumb. If you do that out of the gate, you're just going to get yourself in a lot of trouble. Okay, so what are some of the resources? So I've written plenty of articles. Let me just see here if I can pull one up about resumes before. So let me just send over one here. There's a lot, I mean, about cover letters and resumes and all that kind of thing. So here's one. 
it's called How Attorney to Lost Your Breath, Perfect Lover. But one of the big things about writing is you, everybody want, you want to use Grammarly or some sort of checker for your checkers for cover letters. I would also I hate to say this, but I would take, I mean, I haven't used this, but ChatGBT could be interesting, could ask it to, for stuff, try to make a connection or I don't know, or make a personal connection. I don't know. You could ask questions, what to do with my cover letter or make it look like I'm committed. And I don't know, based on your resume, I don't know, but you can try all sorts of games and stuff with ChatGBT to maybe make your cover letter better. I haven't even thought about doing that, but I think it would probably be a good idea, but you definitely need to check things. This is an article that I wrote that I think has a lot of rules. There's also, there's other rules that I went over last week, which were the cover letter and the resume rules. But the big thing is you want to, anything you can possibly do, you need to make a connection. And I would just take a look at this article right here. I think that could help you quite a bit. Do you prefer cover letters to be less than one page? Yeah, so I think most times a cover letter should be less than one page. I don't think there's any reason really to say much more than one page. I think that most of the re information that the employer needs is going to be on your resume. So your cover letter is really just a chance to try to make some sort of connection and make it seem like you would be committed. And just remember, the longer it is, the less likely the person's going to read it. So imagine if you had 100 resumes, if you saw one that's very short, then you're like, oh, okay, I'll read this. And, and if you see one that's long, you're probably not going to read it. So that's how I'd recommend dealing with that. Here's some common mistakes that job seekers make for writing a cover letter for a legal position. How can these be avoided? So the biggest one is too long. The other one would be talking about stuff unrelated to the job, not connecting. Not connecting is really the big one. Looking too independent and unmanageable. Those are some of the big ones, I would say. And that, that's what I would recommend. Just want to make sure there's some, there's a lot of questions. I just want to make sure the things I haven't addressed. Because it is actually an interesting question. So someone says, if you interviewed with a panel, do you send a group thank you or a personalized note to each? I, most of the time when you do panel interviews, they, it's interesting. They make up their mind right when you walk out of the room, when you do pan, panel interviews. But if you send a personalized thank you to each of them, then that's also useful. One of the things, if you are sending thank you notes, I generally don't recommend sending thank you notes because people make typos and make a lot of mistakes many times. But if you just send a really nice thank you and it's and you're able to do it, you want to send it pretty much right after the interview, uh, like contemporaneously at the same day if possible, or even the next, because otherwise they're going to move on into, into something else. So this article, I don't know how to paste it in a chat, but I would just search for the how attorneys and law students can craft the perfect cover letter and it's, it's by harrison barnes so that's just or i would type bcg search resident or cover letter articles i think that's about it i certainly appreciate everyone's questions today these are great questions and the opportunity to review your resumes i think next year next week we'll probably talk about interviews i think it was good talking about the cover letters today and then we'll do an interview up next week i'll probably start off by just doing a, a quick presentation and then after the presentation, I take a lot of questions about interviews. But this, I think, this information, I hope, has been helpful to everyone here today. I'll also make sure that everyone that registered for the webinar receives th these cover letter rules and then also the any of the resume samples that I worked on today. But this stuff, by the way, is very helpful for you to, to everyone to learn. It's interesting, the more I think about it, I just sometimes if you get just one thing out of this, it can really change the direction of your, your interviews. And and I would say also that, in, especially in a competitive job market, and this is a very competitive job market, we're noticing 
lots of people more than I can believe getting laid off and and it's just it's not a good situation for a lot of people and being able to do this stuff very well gives you a, a real advantage it's the same thing by the way you know the idea of making a connection a personal connection with the employer it's really the same sort of skill you need to be an attorney and to be able to convince a jury or to be an attorney and be able to get clients you just need to be able to make a personal connection and and very few people don't do that unfortunately but it can make a huge difference all right thank you everyone for being on the webinar i certainly appreciate all the questions and the uh, everything to review and i will we'll be back next week with interviews talk about that so thank you that's all the time we have for this edition of the show. If you are an attorney looking for a change, head on to bcgsearch.com.